What what is that you're writing there, Dan? Is that a, a post-it note that says Danny's soul? Yeah, there's no such thing. I need to make a couple of quick bucks. Do you want to buy my soul? I, I don't mean, need it. I, I guess I feel obligated to so it doesn't get into the wrong hands. Sure, here's here's five dollars. Sucker. Cause if this was our destiny, I'd treasure the fact And I'd give you what's left of me if I'd help back But I don't need a soul No, I don't need a soul to hold Without you, I'm still whole You and life remain beautiful You and life remain beautiful Hello everyone and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod Simpsons did it Yeah <laughs> I can't think about this song title uh, without thinking about the Bart Sells the Soul episode. Yeah. That's funny. Um, I like that we did that in in uh, perfect synchronicity. What? You grabbed your phone and I moved my drink? No, we both oh. said the same thing. <laughs> I'm confused. Um, this is a fitting song for me this week because I feel like crap emotionally. So it kind of works out perfectly. Like the, the sort of like, um, beaten down, but ready to get back up again. You get knocked down, you get back up again. Theme of this song. There's still a a sense of hope here. Yeah. Lean forward. You got lint in your hair. Sorry. Oh, still there. See, now, if you didn't have a soul to hold and it wasn't me, who would take the lint out of your hair? Nobody. Uh, yeah. You'd April. Have a... <laughs> no, it's not tasty enough. She wouldn't want to get it. Yeah, that's true. So, yes, today we're talking about I Don't Need a Soul from Forget and Not Slow Down. That's an album by the band Reliant K. Oh, uh, welcome to all of you Eve Six fans who have discovered the <laughs> podcast. Right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Which is maybe four people. I'm joking around, but the big Eve Six Reliant K um, seismic activity of 2021 happened earlier this week. And um, it was not a big deal. It was It was really weird. Like I woke up whatever morning it happened, Monday or something. And um, it was like, I had all these notifications of people who had tagged me in this Eve 6 thing where the guy from Eve 6, and do you know about the Eve 6 Twitter account? Like about its place right now in sort of like popularity? No. So the Eve 6, I I guess it's the guy, the singer or somebody from Eve 6 who has control of the account and they use it to like be funny and to say things and tell weird jokes and tell weird stories and stuff sure that's what twitter's for that is what twitter's for but like as far as having like a sense of humor about it you know what i mean and like telling things you wouldn't expect that's like what the eve six guy came back a couple months ago and sort of like the like like he's he's the wendy's account exactly which also ties into (laughs) the waffle house or whatever (laughs) right so the eve six account whether or not, whatever you think of their music, the Eve 6 Twitter account is right now sort of in culture bigger than their music, maybe in a <laughs> tiny way. Because people follow just for like the jokes that the Eve 6 guy writes. But one of the things was he wrote, he tweeted like, is Relying K on Twitter, basically? Not in those exact words. Mm-hmm. 
And then everyone was like, what's going on? What's going on? Are you six? You're relying Kate? Like, working together? <laughs> like, Relevant Magazine wrote an article about the tweet. Oh, it's like, what wow. did Eve Six want from Reliant K? So John Schneck, as we know, is the only like actively on social media guy. Well, Ethan is pretty active on social media. Yeah. But, you know, as far as like members who con- continue to actively associate with Reliant K, whereas Ethan has so many other things. Right. You don't necessarily think of him as the Reliant K guy on Twitter. The Reliant K guy on Twitter is John Schneck. Yes, Hoops is on there and everything, but he doesn't really actively tweet and Tyson doesn't actively tweet at all like once or twice a year so John Schneck got on there talked to the Eve 6 guy all the Eve 6 guy wanted to know was what's the song by Relying K that references us Eve 6 it's That's My Jam yeah <laughs> and wait so why aren't we doing That's My Jam this week well we've been preparing to do That's My Jam but it's such a massive song <laughs> I mean it's a short song but all the references in it We've been doing all this research. We've actually been working on the That's a My Jam. song that like nobody has heard of unless right. they had the whatever it was. But Walmart there's so much to something. talk about with that episode yeah. that we've actually been working on our notes for That's My Jam. It's like almost as big as the deathbed notes. <laughs> <laughs> Just so many references. In a way, That's My Jam is a more compact thing to unravel than deathbed because in the, its three minutes, it has more going on in a way than deathbed. So he just wanted to know what's that song. Instead of Googling it, like, Reliant K, Eve 6, lyrics, enter, Google. He had to ask Reliant K, I guess because that was the fun part of it. And then once he had the answer, a couple, like, 12 hours later, he was like, okay, so I was hanging out with one of the guys from the Chainsmokers, and he told me how there's a Reliant K song that references my band, Eve 6. So we got in his car and we listened to it, and he was like, this song's great. So apparently one of the guys from the Chainsmokers loves the song, That's My Jam, and introduced it to the guy from Eve 6. We should be doing That's My Jam this week, but we're not prepared to do it. We gotta talk about Alanis Morissette. We gotta talk about Boys to Men. We gotta talk about Jane's Addiction. That's gonna be a big episode. So that was the Eve 6 thing. And, um... Then there was the Wendy's thing, which isn't nearly as big, but there was like roast national roast day where Wendy's will roast. They kind of moved on. I guess now when, when, when the Wendy's account roasts you, they really only want to roast verified accounts. Mm -hmm. They don't want to roast like no, like nobody's anymore. Maybe they've had a problem (laughs) with that. And it's like, you roast somebody. It's like, Hey, Wendy's roast me. And then you roast them. And it's like, thanks. Now let me tell you about the, who, who owns Hollywood and who owns the banks. And you're like, Oh no. <laughs> so Wendy's is like, we, Wendy's just mocks verified accounts and they mocked Reliant K. Reliant K asked for it. I guess it was hoops. And the Wendy's burn was not very good. It was just said, talk about giving up, giving up slowly. And then I had a reply where I was like, and this is not, a good joke to say when I'm supposed to be vegan starting in 2021, but I know this from at least 2020. I said, I'm begging you, I'm begging you, I'm begging you to stop asking me to buy a cookie every time I go through the drive-thru. And that got a lot of likes. <laughs> so Wendy's people, Wendy's cookie people, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Eve 6 fans and Wendy's fans who don't like to have to say no to cookies, welcome to the podcast. 
One of the things we do on this show is we play voicemails. So if you want to call up about Eve 6 or Wendy's Cookies, do so. Call 402-95-SADIE. Uh, it's a regular call to Nebraska. We don't live in Nebraska. It's just a Google Voice number. I opened Google Maps by mistake. Hold on. Um, Google Voice. Where did it go? I have no idea. It's been so long since we've done this show. Not really at all. Hold on. Oh, and one more big piece of top of the show news before we get going is this Friday. If you want to hear two Sadie Hawkins pod episodes this week, go check out Punk Goes Pod. Yes. They so we've talked about them in the past, but they're friends of ours and they live in Australia and and we're doing a crossover with them. They do the entire Punk Goes series song by song. So they talk about two bands pretty much every episode. They talk about the original song and the cover song from all the Punk Punk Goes compilations. And Relying K was on Punk Goes 80s with Manic Monday. So we're appearing in their Manic Monday episode. And then they will appear in a couple of weeks in our Who I Am, He Too, I've Been episode because the acoustic version of that song is on Punk Goes Acoustic. When we did like the Magnified Pod crossover... You know, we kind of simulcast them and we each had our own different opening part. We're going to kind of do that. But if you want to hear this Manic Monday episode with us, you're going to have to go over to their, to Punko's Pods feed for now. Because we're going to wait a couple months before we... Like like Mulan and Premier Access on <laughs> Disney+, Plus. you're going to have to wait a couple months before we drop our, you know, half version of Manic Monday along with the conversation from Punko's Pod in a couple of months. There's that. And so, yes, we do have voicemails. Nice. Also, I wanted to say, because we forgot to mention it last week, but Grace Semler Baldridge, known as Semler, uh, her album Preacher's Kid came out uh, and it's doing really well. So that's exciting. So definitely go and check that out if you haven't already. I will. (laughs) Oh, and one other quick correction from last. (laughs) This isn't so much a correction, but when Daniel called in last week, and then we congratulated him on his wedding. I made this logical switch to a different part of the conversation. But then when I listened to it in the edit, I'm like, oh, I didn't say anything that made people follow my logical my logical switch up. I started talking about like babies. I started talking about like Sadie Hawkins pod babies, like how many children are going to be born from our listeners and stuff. But but I made it insinuating that you can see my socks at a shotgun wedding. That's what it sounded like in the edit. (laughs) I just didn't like I do this all the time. I do it all the time. I I don't know what it is, but I just like will switch course on a conversation and not actually give any logical segue out loud i hear the segue in my head and i think everyone's heard it when you give two people with adhd a podcast (laughs) sadie hawkins pod is what you get exactly so i just wanted to say i i it was it sounded weird i meant to say like and if they have a kid someday it'll be the first sadie hawkins pod baby didn't even say those didn't say any of those connecting words so anyway here is um this is not this is not our thing. Hold on. What the heck? We got a text message that said, "Don't waste your free time doing nothing. Get paid 500 monthly and then a tiny URL to learn about that." Exciting. Yeah. 
I'm uh, I'm stoked to hear about these new podcast opportunities. I don't even I don't think they're podcast opportunities. I think they just saw our talent as podcasters, and they're like, we can also pay you five hundred dollars. Oh, I see. So here is the voicemail we have this week. Hey, Danny and Jess, um, it's been a long while. Um, I just wanted to say hi, and also I'm sorry I've been sorry I haven't been like calling you guys. I used to call you all way more, but I think it's because like school was like like canceled and stuff like that but like now school is like really freaking hard and stuff so I'm just like setting hours on end and like barely getting sleep so I've not had time to call you guys but I'm here to talk about my girl's ex-boyfriend even though that episode was like at this point like two weeks ago I guess I don't know I personally really like the song it's a jam I kind of have the same feeling like Jess like like, I kind of, like, think about the song as if it were in my life, even though I have absolutely no correlation to anything that, like, ever happens in the song. But um, I've heard a lot of people on the Internet talk about how this song is super sexist, kind of like the same mood rings argument that, like, it diminishes women and it just, like, and, like, their argument is, like, oh, it treats um, the girl in the story as, like, she's a trophy, I don't think that, but I'm curious to know if y'all, like, one, if y'all ever heard of this theory, and two, like, if y'all agree with it or not. But, yeah, I guess that's all I wanted to say, so, bye. So that was Beatrice. Thank you very much for calling. Yeah, thanks. I feel like I danced around that topic when we talked about my girl's ex-boyfriend. The idea that, because I kept comparing it to how it was the cheesiest song on the album, like, my girlfriend... Marilyn Manson and My Girlfriend and Mood Rings, but how those songs are super problematic. And then I said how you could find problems in this, in My Girl's Ex-Boyfriend, if you wanted to. And I didn't really voice exactly what those problems were, but Beatrice just explained them. Like, yeah, the idea that she's somehow the prize or that, like, they're both there for her, like, both the male characters in the song. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. I didn't, like ever see it that way or read that into it or anything right so i don't i don't really find it degrading per se or anything especially because what we talked about how this is like an, an almost positive inversion of a common theme for this genre of music at the time mm-hmm. the idea that so many other pop pop rock and pop punk bands of the mid 2000s would mostly just say I was in love with that girl and she treated me wrong and I hate her and she's a B word and all this stuff to actually be like the nice guy that got the girl in the end. The, you know, the nice guy as far as, well, actually, actually we don't know if the nice, if the guy's a nice guy. True. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't know if we touched on this too much. David Dizon's not going to be able to be listening to this part of this, <laughs> this part of the podcast because he hates this song. But um, I don't know if we got into this, but like, I, th- I did touch on the fact that I don't think this was a... I don't think My Girl's Ex-Boyfriend is a literal Tyson song. I don't think it is actually... With no proof on it, but just knowing what little stuff we know about Matt Tyson's relationships and what songs we... What relationship songs he's written that we know are based completely in fact. This one could be true. It could be an experience he actually had. But it also seems like 
a very easy to imagine fictional scenario. Mm-hmm. If you've ever watched a romantic movie, you could write a song like My right. Girl's Ex-Boyfriend. <laughs> so I don't personally think that Matt Thiessen actually had the direct life experience displayed in this song. Certainly could have, but I'm just saying I don't it doesn't read that way to me. It reads like a piece of fiction. It reads like a generalization of a trope. So in that way it's it's not really sexist because you know they're inverting that old pop punk trope. I've used the word trope twice, but that pop punk trope of like it's the girl's fault, and this time it's like it was her boyfriend's fault. And like I said, you could say we're almost done with this. <laughs> like I said, you could imagine that the ex boyfriend of the title of the song is the lead singer of some other pop punk band who's off singing a song about her and saying it was her fault. But meanwhile, over here is Reliant K singing a song from the new boyfriend's point of view and saying she's wonderful and I love her and we belong together and it was his fault. It was the ex-boyfriend's fault. Last thing on my boy's ex, my girlfriend, I did the same thing then. (laughs) My girl's ex-boyfriend, we completely forgot to mention, and I'm glad Beatrice brought up the song just so I can mention this, how the the pre-gap track on Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. The humming and sleigh bell song, which we talked about. The first time we ever talked about an mm-hmm track, we talked about this pre-gap track. But the pre-gap track, which is also on mm-hmm 10, later on in mm-hmm 10, it's its own track. It's just called mm-hmm. It's based on the melody of my girl's ex-boyfriend. We completely forgot to like, I would I would have liked to have gone back and listened mm-hmm. to that pre-gap track again. But it's in the past. <laughs> like that MXPX song, it's in the past. So um, we're going to forget and not slow down. We're going to forget and not slow down. And talk about this week's song. Which is I Don't Need a Soul. So you're excited to talk about the song, right? You really like this song. Yeah, this is one of my favorite Reliant K songs overall. Um, And, you know, definitely one of the best off of what is already like a perfect album. I didn't realize until this week, or at least I didn't think about it until then, that there's a lot of coughing mentioned in Reliant K songs. Oh. Everybody's always getting sick. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, Do you, would you have other examples, or are you just kind of generally... I could figure it out. Hold on. I have my lyric search tool. I thought you might have had them ready to go. but like, I... de- like Deathbed, and um, oh, yeah. I think it might be mentioned possibly in a run-in i could be wrong okay um it's like how they mention car crashes a lot too right and they don't just mention car crashes but they mention cars a whole lot Mm -hmm. i accidentally pulled up my they might be giants lyric search tool hold on so coughing cough let's see run-in mentions coughs i don't need a soul mentions coughs and that's all that mentions the word cough so it's not that many. Oh, I guess not. <laughs> well, f*** me. What do I know? <laughs> well, at least according to AZ. <laughs> I pulled all the, my search tool pulls from AZ lyrics. So if there's mistakes in there and the word cough is in a song that's not on AZ lyrics, then then you are absolutely right. For some reason, I have a, and yeah, I really deserve to be on this podcast because I have a hard time, like, talking about songs that I really, really love. It's, like, so much easier to just talk about the songs that I don't love and be like, and this is why I don't like it. But, like, the songs that I do love, I'm like, I don't know, they're just great. Like, 
well, how to articulate that. I think, for one thing, this song, in its position on the album, is pretty perfect, right? Because mm-hmm. off of the eponymous song, the, 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 the title track, launching into this, especially how it has that slight little like quieter part, and this is not super fast, but it's not mid-tempo either. It kind of feels right in the middle. It feels like 75% speed. It kind of keeps that rhythm going with the album. So where you kick off with Forget and Not Slow Down, that has that amazing build later in the song, right? And then you kind of slow stuff down with that like piano, that distant dreamy piano thing that happens at the beginning of this song. And then you launch with... And then you get Ethan with the like the kickoff, like the little the two hits or whatever that launch this song going. It's like it's like, oh, good. We're still in the same rhythm and pace as the first song. So we're like, we keep going. And these first three tracks on this album, which now we've covered all of them. And I think I've said this when I talked about Candlelight, but this like trilogy, this first three kickoff tracks no pun intended saying kickoff but like they're so they're all on a similar tempo they're all on kind of a similar cadence but they are separate songs they have completely different melodies so it's not like you listen to the song and you feel like these first three songs are samey but they're cut from this same kind of cloth where you like get comfortable and happy to be launched into this album and later on there's going to be some more ups and downs like Sahara's going to get heavier and savannah is actually going to get dreamier and softer um and we're going to have a lot a lot more ups and downs throughout the album not in quality but in terms of emotion but to just really kick it off almost like a really fun musical like kick it off with just three amazing up-tempo fun songs Mm -hmm. and this one it makes perfect sense as the second one it rolls so perfectly into yeah and also i didn't think of this but thinking about it, I'm like now this song kind of starts off with a soft rolling piano thing. Mm-hmm. But then it goes and then you get those drums dun, dun, and it kicks off and it starts, it launches back in and picks up again. But that soft rolling piano is elsewhere on the album. It's like elsewhere within like Savannah yeah. and Baby and not Baby, but uh, uh, Oasis. Oasis. <laughs> so. I have like it's it's easy to assume everything on Reliant K when every time you find one of those things, like you realize all the 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 actual like connecting tissue and themes on mm-hmm when you normally think it's just a collection of songs. You're mm-hmm. like, oh no, there's all this connecting tissue like there is with this album. Yeppers. And there's all this deliberate connective tissue on this album. Sorry, go ahead. And I then, just said yeppers. Okay. <laughs> yeppers, that's right. Oh, we've forgotten about that. Um, it's gotten easier to say mm-hmm over the course of the year and a half doing this podcast. <laughs> Originally, I said saying the words mm-hmm is hard in conversation, so let's call them the album Yuppers. But then later I saw a Matt Thiessen interview where he said that mm-hmm is more of a disappointed mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, another Reliant K album. That was the original, at least in this one interview, that's what he claimed it was. Well, then there's all that, then there's connective tissue in Air for Free, and people claim there's connective tissue and collapsible lung. So my point is, when you find these little connective things, like saying, I don't need a soul, opens with soft rolling piano that is then immediately thrown away for the rest of the song, but is that soft rolling piano actually meant to like 
as a theme for later on in the album. It could be deliberate. Everyone would assume, because it's Matt Tees and Reliant K, that it's deliberate. Yeah. But maybe it's not that deliberate. <laughs> maybe it just kind of worked out nicely. Like, you know, like like Bob Ross says, happy accidents. There's no mistakes. There's just happy accidents. Like, maybe that was always there on its own. And then later on, they were like, oh, actually, this works out pretty well. It kind of makes, gives you kind of another musical theme that connects the album. Do you want to break down the lyrics a little bit? Yes, because this is a song that I actually don't know the lyrics super well. Like I can I can ascertain most of them with my ear, but there are certainly other lines that like kind of go too fast or not necessarily easy to hear, but it's not a song that I thought to myself I need to dig deep. I mean, obviously I always I say obviously, but I assume a lot of people would think this and I actually have a clip of Matt Thiessen confirming this. But I just assumed that the song was, it's basically on the theme of the whole thing being about the breakup with his fiance, Mm -hmm. that this song is specifically about like trying to move on and be alone for a while. And like I said, I have some stage banter from Tyson saying exactly that, that that's what the song is. But then there's all the stuff at the hospital and everything that I've never really known. What is this about? Yeah, I was going to say also, I have um, an excerpt here from a Seattle Times interview where uh, question, tell me about this line. Without you, I'm still whole. You and life remain beautiful from your song. I don't need a soul. Uh, Answer. A lot of times in relationships, we start to think we can't be complete without somebody in our lives. We start to rely on that other person as a part of our identity. When you separate the two, are you still complete? Yeah, your life isn't contingent on somebody else's. Well, as long as we're on this subject, I should play this clip now. This was from an acoustic radio performance where you have Tyson, we have both Matts, and you have Ethan, Ethan playing guitar, not drums. I mean, maybe he played drums. I know we've we've seen this, we've seen this uh, footage before. I'm trying to see if it says what radio station it is. It doesn't say it in here. It doesn't say it. I know we've seen this same. It's this like kind of stage room. The glass wall right there with the windows look right on into the street. So it almost looks kind of like a little club or a coffee house that maybe also serves as a radio station performance space. I don't know. Um, we've seen something else performed here. And Tyson's going to give a little explanation before they play this song in very badly compressed audio. And it's pretty much going to be the same thing you said. But let's just hear it straight from the Maddie's mouth. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the song's a little bit different. Um, it's about, uh, after recently going through a breakup, um, I realized that for most of my adolescent life, I kind of was always viewing my life as being the other half of some girl's life, too, you know, like, it's just it's the way it works. You break up with somebody, and then you're like, all right, you know, you let some time pass to heal, and then you find that it's somebody else, or whatever, and, and uh, this song I kind of wrote from the perspective of realizing that, uh, you know, it'd be good to be in a position in life where I feel like I didn't need to have somebody else, where I was just okay enough with myself, which is who I am, and, and, and that's what completes me, and then... After you, you kind of get yourself to that position, I think that's probably the best time to meet somebody else. So anyway, this song called I Don't Need a Soul. It sounds like Matt Thiessen is the girlfriend. Go listen to us talk about complex infrastructure and the female <laughs> mind over on patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins pod. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
yeah, so basically he kind of said the same thing, but how he it, it, he also gives the context of like since he was an adolescent, so pretty much since he liked girls, pretty much since high school. Right. He's implying here that he has never had just spent time alone and not part of a couple, and that's funny um, because for me, gee, this is something I wanted to talk about: the idea of like being okay with loneliness and solitude and two things not to get confused. <laughs> Um, I was, because my first relationship is sitting across the table for me, my first and only relationship. And we've hinted at this and other things. I think it was an early podcast where I was saying something and you're like, you don't want anyone to know I'm the only girl you dated. And I was like, no, no, it's fine. I don't care. The thing is, I did not ever have a girlfriend all throughout middle school, all throughout high school, throughout my early college years. And then I met Jessica very late in life, relatively speaking. <laughs> I was like 23, 24. You were 22, maybe just turned 23. Hold on. What year was I born? <laughs> so the point is, I just never had a girlfriend. And because we are, I was 23 when we met. So because we are a Christian podcast and we certainly talk about that stuff enough, it has nothing to do with Christianity and it has nothing to do with uh, purity culture, or any of that stuff. It has nothing to do with that. I had no tools, no capacity, no social grace or understanding to like talk to girls literally in my entire life. Um, unfortunately, there's there's a certain group of very bad men who have taken over what was what I kind of felt like then called incels. Like, I I wish I could say it was something like that, but it wasn't like that. I'm glad I I'm glad to say it wasn't something like that. But it was a case of like I wanted a girlfriend, I wanted to be in a relationship, and I had no tools, capacity understanding i was filled with anxiety i was not i did not have the best i had a hard time making friends most of my life much less the girlfriend thing like how do you climb like it's like one giant chasm or mountain to climb just to make friends and then you got to also get a girlfriend like i had no idea how it would happen and it never did i just sat around waiting for it to happen so i was completely used to the idea that I don't need a soul. Like, it was kind of forced on me. Unfortunately, incel people and incel culture has ruined it. And I can't just say this, but, like, the fact that it was against my... It was involuntary that I was alone. I had to, like, make my do of it and get used to it. And then I started going to college, and I kind of loosened up, and I kind of, like, got a little better. But I kind of had to teach myself into my 20s how to like make friends and how to like do all that stuff. So then I met Jessica and we were just friends. And eventually I was like, wait a second. I think she likes me and I think I can ask her out. And I kind of just figured it out on my own and it all just worked out that way. So I never had that issue of like thinking I need to learn to spend some time alone because it was like a horrible, I don't need to harp on this much more, but sometimes it was awful. Like being, in my late teens, being in my early 20s, being 20 years old and like not really knowing, like every time I had friends, it kind of happened on its own. I had no ability to like say, I need to go out and make some friends. The friends I had kind of fell in my lap 
right? Mm-hmm. They were all, and they were all great friends when that happened. But if I was really lonely, like if I moved or something and was in a new place, I couldn't be like, well, got to go out and make some friends somewhere. Had no idea how to do that. Like it had to happen naturally through some social construct of a school or like going to the same shows in a local scene and seeing the same people and over and over. Like I couldn't just make friends wholesale cloth out of meeting new people. So it was tough and I didn't enjoy it. But by the time Jessica and I got together, she was like, you don't really need me around all the time, <laughs> right? Eventually, because I was kind of, you get what I'm saying, right? We talked about this because you like having people around. You've had, yeah. a, you had a few boyfriends, but it's less than that. And more like you like having, you like having your parents around and you like having your friends around and you kind of do, and you don't like being lonely. You don't like. Yeah, I'm I spe- like an introverted extrovert. It's right. like, I'm very, very shy, but. I like having my people around that I, you know, like and feel comfortable with and stuff. Yeah. Right. Whereas, like, I, based on this, these roots of my life, could be like, well, I could spend the day alone. There's a bunch of stuff I need to work on. I need to catch up on. I need to watch some stuff, listen, read some stuff. And I'll be fine being alone. However, recently Jessica went away overnight for a, for a movie shoot. And it was the worst night of sleep of my life. <laughs> I was like, especially, I guess, after a year now of the pandemic. Right. <laughs> and like, we've spent time alone. Like, I've had to go on a trip or you've had to go on a trip. It doesn't happen very often. We're almost always together. Yeah, I think this is like the first time in seven years or something like that. Well, there was a time when we moved to Los Angeles. Yeah, seven years ago now. Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the last time. So I don't know. I totally get the idea and I know people in my life who I'm like you just broke up with someone you have to immediately already be did you have them lined up before they broke up with them right so it's like I I would like to see that that person those people learn to be alone for a minute yeah learn to work on themselves and being alone and not having a soul didn't necessarily make me a better person because like it probably like Matt Thiessen talks about here like be alone in your in your solitude for a little bit and try to make yourself a better person and then be in a better position to be with someone later didn't necessarily work for me because I just got a little bit bitter right being like why am I unlovable I always took this line a little differently the like the whole I don't need a soul you know the I took it as more like she left and it's okay she took his soul with her and that's okay because uh-huh. she and life are both still beautiful and he's okay not having his soul because it, it it's it belongs to her uh-huh. it's more of just like a, a that sort of a poetic notion instead maybe it's both i mean that could totally be both right yeah i didn't think of it that way but when you say i don't need a soul it means like Bart Simpson, like I don't need my soul in my body. Yeah. Or I don't need a soul. You when you call someone a soul, like there's not a soul around. Just saying a soul means other people. Yeah. I don't need a soul, meaning I don't need other people around, which is how I just interpreted it for the last twenty minutes while I was rambling about my sad right. self. But like <laughs> so it could absolutely be both. I've read it both ways. And it's like I do I like I, I, this is a song that I kind of like go back back and forth on where it's like, oh, you have my soul and that's fine and I don't need it anymore. And also like, that's fine that you have it because I don't need anyone. I think it's probably both. Yeah. 
And I think that's where... Because Matt Houston loves that sort of wordplay. Yeah, so. when he can when he has something like that that literally means both. Yeah. And how I tried it, when I see people who are upset that they learn that a song they thought, a Reliant K song they thought was about mental health, and then they learn that Reliant K is a Christian band, and they're like, I thought that song was about mental health, or it turns out it's about God, and I'll sometimes reply to them, and I'll be like, it's about both. Yeah. It's literally, there's a handful of songs that absolutely are only about God, and some songs that are only about relationships with girls and humans and, and human beings, but there's some songs that are literally meant to be interpreted as both. That's That's what... That's what good poetry can yeah. be. That's something that poetry is able to be. Like other forms of art have a hard time literally being two things at the same time. Like in a film, like in a movie, you, usually what you're showing, unless you're like a really artsy director, if it's a real art film and you're like cutting between two different scenes, you know, at the same time and you're saying that this is both those things, then it's hard to say that a scene is usually a scene. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, paintings can sometimes be two things. So they can be optical illusions. You know what I mean? Like art can be two things at the same time. I don't believe in like necessarily a binary idea of art. If it can be more than one thing, if there is a a uh, simile, if there is an allegory and a metaphor lyrically in there, that's not like obvious. It's not just saying. It's not spelling it out for you, but it means both things. Right. And I think that's something that is just so beautiful. And one of the things that I've always really been drawn to about Reliant K is that Matt Thiessen in his songwriting just does such a good job with, with, you know, relating to you and also, you know, having all these fun, like, double meanings. Right. All this great, like, wordplay. Sometimes you hear, like... uh... Sometimes you hear like a, a a song by a popular artist and they'll be like, yeah, this song is about the anger I felt when the Capitol, I'm just making one up right now. It's like, this song is about the anger I felt when I saw the Capitol being seized by the, by the insurrectionists. But then you listen to the song and it's like about meeting some girl you like and going out to like a food truck or something. It's like, it seems like it's really surface level and not about that. Right. And you're like, what? And it's like, but that can sometimes happen artistically. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's stupid <laughs> sometimes with when mainstream artists might say that. But you can start from an emotional core and a feeling you had. And the song can be about that. Like Jackson Pollock paintings or something. Or like, you know, people who do that same kind of abstract style. Like, this painting is about my feelings when this, this, this happened to me. And then you look at it and it's just a bunch of splotches on a thing, on a, on a canvas. Right. But that's what good art is. It's an expression of the artist at that moment, and then the person, and then the artist, quote unquote, dies, and the person who sees it can find multiple meanings in it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready to go through the lyrics now? Yes. <laughs> we didn't do that. I thought that's what we've been doing for the last hour. <laughs> okay, I'm on genius. I hope these are the right lyrics because oh, when we get to song meanings. There were two different entries for this song. There oh. was I Don't Need a Soul was one, and then I Don't Need a Soul, and then in parentheses to hold right. was oh. another. Man, you stole all my little tidbits that I found on YouTube <laughs> today. So I guess I don't need to play it, but I found a random video of someone uploading the, sh- like, before the album came out, 
the summer before this album came out in October of 2009. So the summer before that, they this was a song they were playing early on, like as they were playing out, right? Yeah, preparing for the release of the album for months before. And when he introduced it, when Tyson introduced the song at one of those shows, and the beginning of this sentence is cut off, but I figured out what he meant from context. He says, This is called I Don't Need a Soul or I Don't Need a Soul parentheses to hold. And then he says something along the lines of, but we're still working that out. Oh, and okay, so yeah, that makes sense. They thought this might be have parentheses on it, like some old pop songs do, which is what 500 Days of Summer was their their weird title with the parentheses around the word, right. the number 500. That was what they were go- calling to. They were calling to that like 80s pop thing of having parentheses in your title. Right. So it's they didn't end up going with it but i guess since the song hit early there's even a video where they're playing it months before the album came out and someone right up in the front row is singing along so this must have been and i don't remember this but this must have been online early on yeah because the one the the song meanings that has that says the i don't need a soul in parentheses to hold that one i think the first comment on it was something like uh, I just heard this at the show I was at last night or oh. something. Hope these are right. I'll update as like they get corrected or whatever. Oh, you know what? That that must be what it was. I just remembered how in the making, and I have a clip of this for later, but not this particular thing. In the making of Forget Not Slow Down featurette, there's a thing where Hoops talks about as they've been working on the album and they've been going out and playing shows he went on YouTube and watched some videos of them playing the songs, I guess is like almost like gameplay footage. Right. That's funny. So that makes sense now that people were basically like actively combing YouTube for the new songs So they'd know them before their shows. That must've been what happened. So verse one, I listen to the sirens as they sing me back to sleep. I pray that no one's seriously hurt. That's something that I do. Right. <laughs> Uh, it feels like everything is dying at the pivot point of me. I listen to the sirens tell me things could still be worse. Because if you close your eyes and listen close, you can hear that chapter close. And it's all rebound in better clothes. And you'll like the way this story goes. So one note I have is not the first time I heard this song. Because I think the first times I heard this song when the album was new, I didn't give it a lot of thought. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, it's a song. And I literally didn't even comprehend that the whole thing was a breakup album. It wasn't until like a year or two before we started this podcast, I started to learn about that and actually pay attention to the lyrics. But when I started really paying attention to the lyrics of this song about two years ago, I thought that the if you close your eyes and listen close, you can hear the chapter close. I thought that was like a super morbid, mega dark lyric for Reliant K because... <laughs> I somehow thought the sound of the chapter closing meant death. Right. I mean, and based on the the, the, the lyrics build that up. come, yeah, the lyrics that come before it, you could absolutely think that way. But I don't think that that's what it is anymore. Right. But I guess because I still had the image when I'm actually paying attention to the song, I still had the image of somewhere nearby his cabin where he's writing this album. There's sirens. So some, and he's like, I hope no one's been hurt. And then I imagine someone's being taken to the hospital, especially because later on someone leaves the hospital. And it's him. <laughs> it was him the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> I mean, you certainly could read it that way. And there, there are 
multiple levels to these lyrics. Yeah, but I don't think it's that. And I, yeah. Something I've never been able to decipher was the, and it's all rebound in better clothes. Is that the official line? I can go to the, we can pull up the official lyric booklet. But um, when it's it's a mixed, it's a bit of a mixed metaphor, but a, a, a purpose, it seems to be to me right off the bat, a purposefully mixed metaphor because he says you can hear the chapter close putting to mind a book and he says it's all rebound and you bind books like if the binding of a book and the pages come loose the book starts to fall apart you need to have it rebound uh in a classical sense you bind it a book in leather right clothes are also made of leather right so it's like the book has been rebound in better clothes but it's a mixed metaphor because is the chapter closing and the thing being rebound is is him he's being set up now he, he, he's got new he's like he's got new shoes in his closet like in the right. lining of silver and it's like he's got new clothes he's got better clothes he was wearing I, i'm just making this up now but he was wearing you know stinky clothes for the last couple weeks because he's been so sad about what happened uh, with his relationship ending, but he's put on some new, better clothes. So he's rebound, like a rebound book. He's now looking better on the shelf. He's putting himself back together after what happened. He's the book and he's himself. He's just gotten dumped. So now he's decided to shave off his facial hair that he grew for her. And he decided to ditch the glasses and get contacts and really show her what she's missing. That's right. You 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 take it. You realize that I'm the prize you let go. I'm still pulling up the trademark.net uh, images to look at the official lyrics here. It's over on the shelf. I could go pull it down there, but it's so much easier when it's on the phone. Once you get to the website. Chorus. Because the sun still burns the shadows out, and there's nothing to complain about now. Because if this was our destiny... I'd treasure the fact and I'd give you what's left of me if I'd held back. All right. So to confirm, I listened to the sirens to sing you back to sleep. Pray that no one is Because you close your eyes and listen, listen close. You can hear the chapter close and it's all rebound in better clothes. And you like the way this story goes because the sun still burns the shadow out, shadows out and there's nothing to complain about now. Yeah, so that's what it is. I guess also from a rhyming point of view, he kind of had to mix the metaphor with like it's all rebound in better clothes because you can't say it's all rebound with a better spine. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And also this, uh, this is almost a mini, like how I've said how this whole album is kind of like a rock opera. Like I view it as a rock opera in that it's the roller coaster that you go through after a breakup. This song is almost like a snapshot of a roller coaster that you go through because we have in the lines here before him saying that, you know, he's closing the chapter, but now he's going to he's going to remake himself. Mm. And you're going to like, she's going to like this story better. She's going to like this version of him better. Yeah. And now he's going more through the acceptance phase in the chorus where he's saying that if this was our destiny, you know, I'd treasure, you know, our time together and, and 
I would have given you anything that was left of me. Right. And I would have given you all of me, that sort of thing. If I had left anything back, I didn't mean to, that sort of thing. But I don't need a soul. No, I don't need a soul to hold. Without you, I'm still whole. You and life remain beautiful. You and life remain beautiful. So yeah, I think it's just like, it could be, I don't need anybody. I don't need a soul. Or, you know, I don't need my soul. It belongs to you. It's also from a realistic point of view, knowing that this is a true story, it's too soon to write a, a literal, like, I am healed now. It's not. It's too soon in the album, and I, it's too soon in his life to have written a real I am all healed now song. I think there's plenty of, and I absolutely can't think of any examples right now, but there's got to be plenty of examples in the history of pop, popular music and in, in the sense of non-classical music. There's got to be plenty of examples of songs of, like, looking back at a relationship that was lost and realizing you were both better for it. Not like a bitter one, not saying like, you know, why did I ever get with you kind of song, but a song about looking back at a breakup and having had that time to heal and actually being completely healed. This is literally too soon in Mm -hmm. his life to have actually like fully healed and fully comprehend. He's saying here, I realize now I need to spend some time alone, but he hasn't spent that time alone yet chronologically in this song he can speculatively say i'm becoming better because i'm spending time alone but this song is literally written while that's happening so it's it can't literally come from almost like a if he ever wrote and maybe there's a song on air for free not collapsible long but maybe there's a song on air for free that could be a, a sequel to this theme i don't know i'm oh there absolutely is there there like in man it definitely feels like that is a follow-up to this album where it finally we get some semblance of seeing that he's healed yeah okay so i think this is literally a healing song but it's not a healed song if that makes sense like the wound is still there but it's all patched like all the band this is a song about all the bandages being on a wound and you can think about how it's going to be healed soon but in real life sense and in the narrative of this album it the the wound is still open underneath those bandages departing from the hospital ill news shows on your face too well you're trying not to cough at all it hurts all options are exhausted all your numbered days are numbered small. I miss you now. I love you. And I know things could still be worse. This line in here, or this verse, mm-hmm. it has a lot of people sp- <laughs> speculating and spreading misinformation across song meetings. Okay. Lot, lots of different people are chiming in with their, like, this is about his dad who died of cancer, but I don't believe his, not... his dad pass, has passed away. No. His dad's on the album. Yeah. His dad sings Sav- the Savannah pre-gap track. Uh, the Sahara pre-gap track. Yeah. Other people speculate it's his uncle who passed away. Um, other it's... people think that his girlfriend got sick. It's like everybody is taking this particular part very literally and attributing it to... Things that they think they know or they think they figured out. Right. Well, if it's the uncle... I mean, people can have more... People have more than one uncles. People can have one uncle or they can have more than one uncle. If it's the uncle from or the no album... Uncle. Or no uncle. <laughs> but I know that the, the, the artist... The, 
his uncle who did the art for this album mm-hmm. has an Instagram page. I don't really know if he's alive or dead, but Goodness. I just, you know, you know what I mean? I don't know who started the Instagram. I don't know. Right. Okay. I had to figure okay, it out. That's a good point. So weird. Like who know who says they know these things? Like, did they just hear it or are they just assuming it? Like for instance, the first time I heard this album and I've talked about this on other forget and not slow down episodes, but the first time I heard the title of this album based off of what very little I thought I knew about Relying K's history, I was like, oh, this song must be about how, this this album name must be about how they're not on a major label anymore. <laughs> right. And that's completely wrong. <laughs> right. But if I go, if I'm the first on song meanings and I write that in, and then some people read it and they're like, oh, okay, they were going to forget and not slow down and they're going to go back to an independent record label. No, that's not true. But if I got a bunch of people to believe that early right. on, then people would go around spouting that. Yeah. And we know what the song's about because we have two different uh, interviews. interviews. Well, an interview and a stage yeah. banter. <laughs> now, the hospital thing did confuse me a little. I kind of leaned towards assuming that it's some literal teeth and stuff, like you know talking to it's the same it's same kind of caliber as talking to his sister late one night with a 17 magazine how that's probably literally a true story and he just wrote it down as a song i kind of assumed since it's about her it's about his ex-fiance that maybe there was a thing where she had an accident or something that we don't know because as far as we have ever seen it's never been discussed um and he goes to pick her up at the hospital for some reason that really has nothing to do it's not that the hospital has anything to do with why they broke up, but it's just sort of a flavor of narrative. It just kind of paint, paints a paints a a mysterious or an interesting picture. It's just it's just a it's just something that kind of flavors the sure. song in a slightly different way. It gives you a different image in your mind as opposed to the relatively less um, tangible lyrics of the rest of the song, but. I wouldn't go on song meanings necessarily and say, this is what I think it is, or this is what it is, because this is what I think it is, because I literally have no idea. Right. I have no idea who he's talking about. And it's entirely possible that this could be a lyrical switch up and that maybe has nothing to do. Like, is is this something from the past, like before they broke up? Or is this something like, I mean, I believe fully that the opening of the song is him in the cabin of writing this album. Mm Mm-hmm. And that this is like some of the most up-to-date literal Tyson where he's singing about being in the cabin where he wrote this album. So then that also kind of makes me think like, well, wouldn't the extra little story at the end of the song also be up-to-date like the beginning of the song was? Like, would this be more recent? He could also be reflecting because that's something that he did in like Savannah where we kind of bounce around a little bit with where we are in time. Like he's just sort of reminiscing as he sits there and just sort of writing down a stream of consciousness. And and memories are not collated like that. You know what I mean? Like memories are a mishmash. Yeah. Your brain does not, you try to file things and collate them in your mind, but that's not how it works. Like you think of, your house as a child and you think of like the day you moved out but then in that house is a million memories across like if you live there for 20 30 years 
all these memories completely out of time people come in and out of your life you know what i mean like mm-hmm. if you think about a smell if you think about geography if you think about a person you can jump all around time especially the way that like if someone stays in your life your mind te- te- tends to like age them up so i might think of my sister in a memory when she was 6 but in my mind i sort of see her face now you right. know what i mean yeah or when I even think of you when I met you 12 years ago, and I think of you 12 years ago, I close my eyes, I see your face now, but your face wasn't the same 12 years ago. My face wasn't the same 12 years ago. We met like 15 years ago now. <sighs> <laughs> so I think that he literally is sitting there or laying there and he hears these sirens and it brings up this thought of how, oh, these sirens, it's like a metaphor for the death of my relationship and then he you know sort of ponders on that for a while and then his mindset sort of switches over to maybe recalling a time when he was at the hospital with someone right and then it drifts back to more of the the metaphorical well that was helpful because like i said i never really gave much thought to the hospital stuff in this song so then i guess we'll take our break And we'll be right back. We'll be right back. If you enjoy Sadie Hawkins pod, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and interact with the show by calling our voicemail line 402-95-SADIE. You can send an email to sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com and visit our Instagram and Twitter, which are both at sadiehawkinspod. You can also visit sadiehawkinspod.com for the link to our tea public store for shirts, mugs, and stickers, including two brand new designs following in the history of all of Reliant K's logo parody merch. We have a Chick-fil-A parody design. And to prove to everyone that we are in fact the most punk rock podcast, we have a new Black Flag logo parody. You know, something that's original and that we could really call our own for once. We also want to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash sadiehawkinspod. Brady, David, Tucker, This Might Be a Podcast, Owen, Jimmy Pod, Roxanne, Samantha, Helen, Michael, Connor, and Joel. You can sign up at our Patreon for bonus episodes, which include us reviewing the songs from Chaos for Karaoke and reading through the Complex Infrastructure book. Treat yourself right in 2021 with Sadie Hawkins Pod, the door to a happy, healthy life. So you like Reliant K, do you? Well, what about They Might Be Giants? My name is Greg Simpson, and I host a They Might Be Giants fan podcast, and it's called This Might Be a Podcast. This Might Be a Podcast is a song-by-song podcast featuring a different guest every episode from normal fans like you and I, but also I've had guests such as John Darneal of the Mountain Goats, Justin McElroy of My Brother, My Brother and Me, Hutch Harris of the Thermals, Mike Park of Asian Man Records, Franz Nikolai of The Hold Steady, and Danny Weinkoff and Marty Beller of They Might Be Giants, and past drummers Dan Hickey and Brian Doherty. Search for Punk News. Or this might be a podcast on any podcast platform and you will find us. This might be a podcast brought to you by PunkNews.org. Since I already sort of touched on the essence of what you find on uh, both song meanings, I'm going to skip ahead to TikTok 
And there are quite a few TikToks this Ooh. week. We have 10 TikToks. Oh my gosh. Two of them have to do with woodworking. <laughs> um, there's, there's this one. A Naruto cosplay thing. So tipsy underscore pig is in Naruto cosplay, including the whiskers on face on the whisker makeup on the face. <laughs> and they're just lip syncing the song very energetically. Yeah. And then there's a follow up to that. I oh. guess. Oh, this is a match. One of those. Col- I don't know. Which, I don't remember what you call it. Semler talked about it, do it on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Where they like you match up your video to their video. This is Squishy S-H-M-U Squishy Shumu Shmu Squishy Shmu Squishy Shmu Who's dressed up like a different Naruto Yeah Kiba maybe K-I-B-A Dressed up like a different Naruto (laughs) Which female Naruto are you? (laughs) Exactly Okay so this one is by J-V-P-V-T-V-R And this person is sitting in their car with a green Dunkin' Donuts drink in their hand, right? It's like it's a matcha latte. Is it a matcha latte? Yeah. Okay, and they're gonna talk to us while I don't need a soul is playing in the background. Here you go, Jess. I I took the phone to figure out what was going on, and now we'll listen. Are about myself um, that I realized like a couple years ago. When I was 13, when I was in the 7th grade, my favorite band of all fucking time was Reliant K, which is a Christian pop-punk band. And that's not surprising for a 13-year-old, except for the fact that I've been an atheist for my entire life, and nobody in my family is at all religious in any manner. Um, can Can anyone else relate to that? Because I know, I know their entire discography, and it's, um, I don't know how to explain that I am not and have never been Christian, except my top band on Spotify for like five years straight was a Christian pop punk band. So this, so this comes up a lot on Twitter, with all my stalking of everyone who talks about Relying K on Twitter. <laughs> And I don't know, I want to just put it as nicely as possible without seeming like I'm judging anybody, but there's nothing weird about that. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, they're a band. Yeah. And, like, so many people I see on Twitter get upset when they're like, what? Reliant K was a Christian band the whole time? Um, and I've seen plenty of tweets, even from, like, looking at MXPX tweets on Twitter, where people, you know, very much think of the entire Christian alternative record industry as very, and we kind of talked about this with Semler, but like how they think of it as kind of um, uh, deceptive and entrapment, like write all this cool music, but actually have this like propaganda, this like Christian propaganda thing, like we're trying to convert you. Uh-huh. And that absolutely, there has, there absolutely is a section, a very a relatively large majority of Christian rock that is that way. Like you, the Christian festivals and stuff, and the certain labels and the certain kind of bands where the scene is like pushed, like those bands have to be literal evangelicals. I don't mean evangelicals in the modern sense of like 
right wing or whatever. I mean, like evangelizing, like in the middle of your punk rock set, doing a altar call right. and praying and stuff. Sure, bands are like that, but especially when you think of Reliant K at the time when uh, they had a very confusing username, so I can't repeat it. But when this per- this TikToker would have been a Reliant K fan and had been an atheist all their life. Like, they wouldn't, there'd be no reason for them to think that's weird because Reliant K was just a band. Yeah. Reliant K started out as a ministry type band, but they became just a band. And I always, I, so it's like. Yeah, there's, when I saw them in 2005, they were touring with Good Charlotte and Simple Plan. They were not stopping like the OC Supertones do to do a little like ministry in the middle. Right. At that point. Like, and I know, I like, so it, it's, I guess it's because it's another planet. The Christian music world is another planet that people don't really understand if they had no concept of it. And if their weird little gateway to it is Relying K or MXPX or something like that, or even Five Iron Frenzy, it's like nothing to be worried about. Like, you can listen to hip-hop music, and I have no idea what the actual, like, social and political viewpoints of hip-hop artists are right like if i listen to nwa or something i don't actually understand those points of view i'm i can't like you know what i mean right it's not it's not a big deal i don't think for reliant k to be your favorite band and be an atheist it's perfectly fine yeah and like i said i just see this all the time and i don't know how to like reply and so i don't really reply to people because i don't want to sound weird about it right but it's like an accepting thing especially considering that it's a known fact right now that all and i'm not just talking about semler like she's kind of like the face of it from with her album and her whole message statement and stuff but the fact that reliant k has an enormous gay and queer and lbgt fan base now Mm -hmm. some many of them christians or former christians or just actually like Gen Zers who are LGBTQ and discover Reliant K and love Reliant K. Like, I think this is a band that everyone can just enjoy. And if you don't like the, the couple of songs that are definitively without question, only religious, mm-hmm. there's a couple of songs where it's that and it's something else. And you can, you can assume it's something else, not religious, but you can just ignore the other or like, you know, if I listen to the Supertones, I actually don't agree with all of their philosophy, their hard philosophy in that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, if I listen to hip hop or if I listen to really offensive punk, not just the type of pop punk we think about in the 2000s where girls are B words and it's all their fault. But I'm talking about like like the queers or like the dwarves or no effects where they have actually offensive lyrics, like purposely trying to get you offended. Mm -hmm. Like I don't actually think about or believe the things that they might sing in their most offensive songs, but I might still enjoy their music. Now, if they're like, Hey, how did I get into this band when they're Christian? I mean, the answer to that is, I don't know. They also probably just have shown up on like that sort of not Christian, but non-offensive radio. Right. That is totally a thing. Yeah. They were, they were a Capitol Records band. They were. Sorry. Next up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we were on that enough. So this is, can you turn this down? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) This is just lip syncing. So this is 
SK and SYKO Penguin, Sky, wait, Psycho Penguin, Psycho Penguin, but he's not dressed like a penguin. He's, he's in a onesie. He's in a onesie that's like maybe some sort of anime character or a Pokemon or something. Because he's got a Detective Pikachu poster on his wall, which is the only thing I can really make out. He's got a beard. He's got glasses. And he's just really deeply singing, lip syncing to Oops. these lyrics. Sorry, I accidentally clicked on a hashtag. <laughs> Modern problems. <laughs> Yeah, he's doing some, like, very interpretive type dance moves there. Now we've got Sad Boy says, If you're going to cry over people that never deserved you, people that make you feel like you aren't enough, then you might as well cry over this too. And then he drops a jug of milk and just wastes a whole (laughs) bunch of milk. This guy, he looks so 2005, like, (laughs) he's wearing a polo shirt and, like, a kind of off-to-the-side hat and Converse. Uh, There's a dog training video. There's a girl in maybe a schoolgirl uniform, maybe a cosplay, I'm not really sure. Ashley Glitta with one T. Just lip syncing along, doing a little dance. Nice. Now, I have a punk news review, and I'm not sure if we've done this one before, but if not, because it's I feel Carl like we've Up and done Die, right? It is. But we've talked a lot about Carl Up and Die. Yeah. And we thought his name was Curl Up and Die until Greg from This Might Be a Podcast corrected <laughs> He's us. He's like, hey, isn't it Carl? And we're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> So this, just for a refresher, here's Carl Up and Dies, uh, forgetting not slow down. Like weird video. contradictory takes in all most of the reviews that we've read of his. Like says why can't rely on K be one way, and then talks about and then complains that they are that way later in the same article. So he gave this album two and a half stars out of five. Evolution does not always bring positive changes, no matter what Charles Darwin taught the world. Yes, we did read this. We read this. We read this. Ooh, Ooh. so edgy. They're a Christian band, and you're talking about evolution. I'm so hot under the collar having you mention that completely accurate thing about evolution. The new Reliant K album is As also a Christian who believes in Jesus (laughs) and can also believe in evolution. What? That's impossible. These Christian kids, who maybe don't even believe in Darwin's theory, keep on evolving their sound with such mediocre results that one could easily believe this is not the same band. Just ridiculous. I don't know. Just, like, the opening paragraph does not bode well. All right, well, if you remember it, then I I will not refresh us anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then we have a review from Christianity Today. Charles Darwin said that... (laughs) Forget not slow down. Uh, October 6, 2009, Andrea Bailey Whittles. Whitlitz. Sounds like Jimmy Eat World acceptance something corporate. At a glance, pop punk poster children relocate to rock. 
Over the span of a decade and eight records, the Grammy-nominated band Reliant K has made some mistakes. They've encountered the dark side of life and love and, like most of us, are haunted by a handful of regrets. But rather than wallow in them, Matt Thiessen and friends moved on, and they're inviting us to forget and not slow down along with them. Always the smart, succinct songwriter, Thiessen is in his element here, combining upbeat optimism with frank, cathartic relationship postmortems and a few nods to God. He's penned 15 tracks that celebrate future possibilities. I'd rather forget and not slow down than gather regret for the things I can't change now. He insists on catchy, on catchy title track. A reminder of Paul's admission to forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. Uh, Phil 313. <laughs> like, you just go, okay. Uh, in the same song, he asks God to resurrect the saint from within the wretch, pour over me and wash my hands of it. The rocking Sahara could also be a desperate plea for deliverance, trying to ignite some sort of passion from inside to overcome this feeling of desertion. So I'll ask one thing of, of you. Don't ever turn me loose, even when I turn my back. And later, but I'm not alone, I'll be all right. Just take these bones and breathe them back to life. Other songs are equal parts carefree and nostalgic featuring overdue goodbyes. Oh, that that was it. <laughs> oh, nice. oh, because it's an article preview. I have to be a subscriber to Christianity <laughs> Today to hear any more, apparently. Well... <laughs> Not signing not, up today. Not today. Not Christianity today. <laughs> not today, Satan. <laughs> this is a super long blog post from johnbook.wordpress.com, and it's titled Dear Matt Thiessen, and then in parentheses of Reliant K. I am not your core audience. I am probably not the guy you're targeting when making an album. I'm 36. I have a wife and a kid and I live in England. (laughs) What year was this? (laughs) Uh, Maybe back then, but now you'd be exactly who you'd be targeting. uh, Is there a date? There is not a date. The most recent, I'm sorry, not the most recent. The oldest comment is from February 18th, 2010. Okay, well... hmm. Oh, here we go. January 25th, 2010. Okay. Okay, because now, now, all the internet is, is people in their 30s talking about (laughs) pop punk bands from the early 2000s. So literally, you would have been exactly Matt Thiessen's target audience if you were writing this today. So, okay... Most people think of Reliant K as a band for teenagers. (laughs) Semi-angsty Christian kids. People like that. And perhaps you started out that way. You were, after all, only in high school when when your band first started performing. And your first sort of breakthrough album featured songs about cell phones and mood rings. Uh, Is that their first sort of breakthrough album? Um... No, I mean, in a way. Two laughs? It's it's all relative. It's, yeah. Everyone, especially like when people are like, I know every Reliant K song. I know all Reliant K's. So uh, Reliant K songs is like, oh, so you know the first three? No. <laughs> it's like, I know, mm-hmm, and I know five score. Right. No, I don't know, because, you know, it, I'm such an... I'm trying... I'm trying... To, I'm trying so hard 
like Samuel L. Jackson at the end of Pulp Fiction. I'm trying so hard not to be an um actually know-it-all D-bag anymore about all the things that I love the most. Should, and, should I stop doing the, the reviews then, Danny? No, it's fine. <laughs> but the thing is, like, you know, I've been listening to Reliant K from the first album. So to me, I'm like, well, shouldn't everyone be listening to them from the first album? And, like, I know you only started listening to them from Mm-hmm, but then you you bought the second album first. No, I heard Anatomy first, and Two Lefts was already out at that time. And so I went back, bought their first album. Oh, you bought their first album. Yeah, and then it was, like, only a very short period of time after I discovered them that Mm-hmm came out. Okay. So, I don't know. It's... I don't think you can definitively say what's what, especially because like we got confused early on in this podcast and thought that five score was their biggest selling album, but it was actually just their fastest charting album. So like, what's the metric for success? Five score is their fastest charting album, but it's not necessarily their biggest selling album. So that does that mean five score made a bigger impact for them as a band on the mainstream? Or is it the album that more people have in their house? If the more people have it in their house, is it just the choir, like literally preaching to the choir that have it in the house? Who knows? I don't know. Teenager stuff. But I hadn't heard you at that point, aside from one track on a five-minute walk sampler. Then I went back to being a high school teacher, and dang, if my kids didn't love them some Reliant K. I'm a music junkie, and I like using music to connect and relate. So one year, just before going on a trip with some students to New York City, I bought your newest album. It was on sale. I figured I'd like it some and be able to make some connections with some of the kids through that. The album was the five score and seven years ago album. It was pretty good. I digested small bits of it on the plane ride and on the subways. Then, while exploring the Natural History Museum by myself, all the kids had scattered throughout the building, I decided to finish off the album. And in this one hall where the fake Easter Island statue is, like the one in Night at the Museum, Deathbed came on. So many particular details. (laughs) Clocking in at 11 minutes, the song is a first-person account of a man's story as he lies on his deathbed and encounters Jesus. Now, is this a letter to Reliant K? Because Reliant K knows what the song Deathbed is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is a letter to Matt Teason, and it is amazingly musically, lyrically, emotionally. Your pro- vocal performance on that song is powerful, and the instrumentation complements each section beautifully. I was hooked. Next came the Christmas album, which fights Sufjan Stevens every Christmas for a prominence in my CD player. It's so good, and I celebrate the day it gets me every time I hear it. It's the one song I continue to listen to throughout the year. So, wow, I thought, I kind of like these, it's the opposite of me, I just always skip past, I celebrate the day. So, wow, I thought, I kind of like these Reliant K guys. So I went back, got the aforementioned record with mood rings on it, and well, it's okay. Clearly you've grown in many ways. Then I bought, again, on sale, the clearly na- cleverly named collection, The Bird and the B-Sides, including the Nashville Tennis EP. <laughs> Listen to it a few times and put it on I the feel shelf. like I can edit this down. I'm not like the best, <laughs> I'm not like the best writer, but like I feel like I could have con- made some of these moments concise. Also, this just, this just reminds me of a Blink-155 thing where one day Josiah was like, I can't take people 
DMing me their story about how they discovered Blink-182 anymore because it's always the same. I went to the mall and my mom didn't want me to buy the CD and that's like everybody's story about Blink-182. So it's like, I don't need to know how you went to this store to buy Bird and the B-Sides and that store to buy. I get it. They're outside of your normal purview and you loved it. That's wonderful. Cut this down. Move on. Next part of the story. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Well, Matt, you ask, what of our new album? I'm confused. Is his name also Matt? Because I thought he was writing to Matt. So I'm not sure. Well, Matt, you ask, what of our new album? What if forget... What have forgot and not slow down the album oh, of tracks you wrote while he, isolated in some cabin somewhere during the period of time after a broken engagement? He's saying Matt is saying, "What do you think of our new album?" That was the narrative. That was like the point of view. Ah. He switched it like as if Matt Thiessen is asking him, "So, what's your name from this blog? What do you think of our new album?" Well, did I mention I live in England? New music of the Christian-related variety isn't always easy to come by, and when it is, it's expensive. So I asked for the CD for Christmas. Could have downloaded, thirty-five. But it was well, he's a teacher. Could have downloaded, but with some bands, I like uh, the hard copy. And our Christmas presents don't come till mid-January. By which point, the no we don't need all these details by the way i i do want to i do want to say i understand the irony of me saying this guy needs to edit this down a little bit coming from me the guy who constantly repeats the things he just said i am always repeating the things i've just said but i'm the one telling him he needs to cut this down i understand that that's ironic i'm fast forwarding again a little bit Granted, it takes a while to get going. As you know, since you recorded the album, there are only 10 songs here. Is this going to end in some horrible tragedy? Like, I feel like this can only be gearing up towards family members died from this and your album helped me. (laughs) Family members died from Forget Not Slow Down. Family members died from my constantly telling them about what stores I bought Reliant K CDs at. And forget not slow down, got him through it. Gotcha. The extra five belong mostly to outros, usually slowing down the previous. Relying, Matisse knows this. And none of these are, and none of these are stinkers. No fillers. This is a lean album. That being said, most of the strongest tunes are in the latter half. The first two songs are very good, but not great. The title track and I Don't Need a Soul, both fitting nicely into your pop punk repertoire. I'm not sure if you meant the double entendre in the later title, but it had never occurred to me that there are two possible meanings to that phrase until I heard this song. Which which song? I Don't Need a Soul. Oh, okay. This song, yeah. Is it the same two meanings we were talking about? Yeah. I, well, I don't That's know. He doesn't expand on that. <laughs> I'm assuming he means the same two that we do. I'm fast forwarding a little bit more. Matt, I'm not entirely sure who this album is for besides yourself. Maybe for other jilted lovers trying to come to terms. Almost nothing it in it applies to my life as it is right now. Okay. But still, you've gotten under my skin with a work of heart and a work of art, exploring the suffering you've experienced over this past year. It ends with a note of hard-earned hope. 
Thank you. My thoughts are with you. Thanks for sharing your pain and your journey with us. Well, all right. He is a very verbose way of saying it was a pretty good album. I wasn't expecting it to be nice, but it was. You know, it doesn't. Whatever. I don't want to. I don't want to nitpick what I already felt like a nitpicky thing in the first place. But it's like this doesn't. Who's the way he said? Who's this album for? Anyone who enjoys it, like that's not how art works. I don't like that kind of that kind of point of view on any. Not just I'm not just ripping into this guy, but I don't like that point of view for anyone to just necessarily say who is this for, except maybe in like the context of movies, where like a movie kind of rides the line between being too horrific for kids, but then like tonally being for kids. Like that's like the like example where I understand when you say who's this for. When it comes to an album, like. It's not just for him, it's for a lot of people. And like I like I said, I've never experienced the kind of uh, things he's talking about in here necessarily. Like my breaking up with Jessica for a while does not compare at all in terms of like time and suffering to the thing that he's explaining on this album. But I still get something out of it. And I'm like, sorry, who broke up with who? Did I say that I broke up with you? I didn't mean to say that you broke up with me. I'm just giving you a hard time. I love you. <laughs> I just don't like the criticism of who is this album for. That yeah. doesn't make any sense. It's, and you know because what? Usually that's a statement that you you reserve for something truly outlandish. Like you can look at Eraserhead uh, by David Lynch and be like, who is this for? And right. like, there's a lot of people out there that it's for. But I can understand when someone's like, who who enjoys this? You know, that makes sense. But like, a really good album and like let's just pretend like we're not even reliant k fans just like outside people who like maybe like pop punk and hear it and we're like we go oh yeah this is a pretty good album you know and maybe revisit it every now and then it's not like some outlandish thing it's something you can listen to in the car with your mom and he also seems to imply that like you need to be going through something similar to get something out of this album which is nonsense when i'm a kid and i'm watching cart i'm watching sh- tv shows and movies when i'm listening to dookie by green day i literally don't really i don't understand most of the experiences he's talking about when i listen to she where he's talking about like his girlfriend from a fem from an attempted feminist point of view like i don't understand that i was 12 years old i have no concept for that when he's singing uh, like basket case about going or he's singing long view about living on your own for the first time and being kind of like scared and like you have nothing to do and you got no money it's the 90s and you sit around and you masturbate right (laughs) like i didn't actually understand that but so you don't need to understand art to approach it like that's not a good take and it just feels like word count stuff like i really feel bad ripping into this thing it's just like absolutely and so many people i hear about personally since we started this podcast who've talked about how they dm us and stuff and they say i love forgetting not slow down it got me through a really hard time in my life and then they might not describe my fiance broke up with me it might be have something completely loss is a universal concept and there's 25 quadrillion ways that loss can occur in your life through romance or through many other things and this album is about loss so it can speak to any Literally any single person on planet Earth is who this album is for. Right. 
Yeah, and not to rip into that uh, writer, <laughs> that reviewer, because everybody is entitled to their own opinions. And also, we didn't read the whole thing through. Right. You know, I just kind of skimmed and then just kind of was looking for the the keywords there. Um, so finally, I have. I'm pouring some water. <laughs> finally, I have a view. A re- finally, I have a review from diamondintherock.wordpress.com, and I'm just going to read uh, the standout track section about "I Don't Need a Soul." So they said, like the agreeable and optimistic opener, "I Don't Need a Soul." follows up with a lighthearted and happy song that somehow manages to sneak in profound sentiment at the same time. The compositional emphasis on piano is clear right from the start as Thiessen provides a suitably pleasant background to lighter guitarists from Matt Hoops and John Schneck. Ethan Luck takes advantage of his chance to pound away on the drums, providing the appropriate counterpart to Thiessen's calmer piano and vocals. And despite the seemingly anti-Christian lyrics, Thiessen explores the uplifting idea that heartbreak isn't where life ends and an idea inspired by his time of reflection after he and his fiance broke up that is evidenced by each catchy chorus. I don't need a soul. No, I don't need a soul to hold without you. I'm still whole. You and life remain beautiful. What's our runtime so far? <laughs> uh, we're at around an hour and a half. Okay. Well then we might do a thing that we've never done on this show, oh. which is do all the covers behind the paywall. Oh, this is a thing that lots of other podcasts do music podcasts. And this will be a first time for us because we went so long and I do have a lot of covers. So why, you know, why stretch this out any longer than it has to be? (laughs) Do you have any like favorite things to throw out? Yeah, I'll just put out some of the best stuff real quick, though. Here is a clip from the making of Forget and Not Slow Down of Ethan talking about this song and how it was being received when they were playing it live while they were still working on the album. Oh, nice. One of the songs um, called Part of It, we've been playing, it's a lot faster than the other one, and so I think a lot of people uh, just kind of go crazy right away just because it's up-tempo and stuff. And then the other one is a song called I Don't Need a Soul, and that one's a, a not it's not slow but it's slower than the other one and so i think that's kind of the song where people kind of like they're into it but they they're more paying attention they're like what was he saying and stuff so it's kind of funny uh, i think they're going over well it's sometimes hard to tell because uh people just kind of sit back and watch what you're doing and um just kind of try to take it in i guess but afterwards it seems like most people that are at the shows are, are enjoying what they're hearing, which is good because I have fun playing them. So I've... And that was Hoops at, in the second half there talking about going out and playing before the album came out with all these new songs. Um, so there's that. Then I already talked about Matt Thiessen with that little explanation um, what the song's about and then also the parenthetical that could have been on the title but ended up not being on the title. Uh, this is also on the live album. Right. If you remember, this yeah. is on the 2009 section of the live album. So let's just hear a little bit of that. Because how can we have a regular episode without actually hearing live album stuff? Here's a commercial that's playing. Four, three, two, one, like skip song. ad. There we go. Anyway, we're going to play another new song. This one's called I Don't Need a Soul.
sirens as they sing me back to sleep. So it's nice to hear Matt Thiessen's voice still pretty much in that 2009 mm-hmm. mode and, yeah. and not in the post-collapsible long right. air for free mode. <laughs> So it's funny that Ethan described, I mean, you're hearing Matt, like, he's he's almost breathless on some mm-hmm. of these parts. It's funny that Ethan describes the song as not slow, but not, but slower than um, part of it. Because I also have footage on here that's like them totally just rocking the F out to the song. Like they're up there, like they're Fugazi up there. Like they're just like totally <laughs> like slamming up and down. It's, you know, so this seems to be a song that they really loved playing. There's definitely some 2016 footage uh, with Switchfoot and stuff. We're running out of, we're, we're so late in the episode. I don't know. Did you want to talk about that vlog that I found with that lady in yes. Vancouver? Yeah. So there's a number of videos and you might hear some of these behind the paywall at patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins pod. We're pushing it so hard this episode. How did that happen? Because we got all those Eve 6 listeners and all those Wendy's listeners and we need to push it to them. That's right. So there's a lot of like um, fan things where it's like uh, multiple lip syncing, full music videos. There's a... an FMV for the British show Skins, not the American version, but the British right, version. Yeah. There's a Vampire Diaries FMV. Nice. Um, there's and then I found multiple vlogs that use this as the background music. I found this one guy who was giving like a testimony about how you know he loves Christ, but music is second in his life to Christ. And I found like a lady's video where I don't even know what she was talking about she was just talking about how her life is going talking about all kinds of stuff for like 13 minutes that was like nothing really here to play um compilations of like people's trips and like one person took all their 2015 photos and edited their favorites into a little music video like on their phone you know like you do with iMovie but Jessica heard most of this with me this is on YouTube by uploader Megan Allen Megan Allen, M-E-I-G-H-A-N, Megan Allen, three years ago, with only 46 views, uploaded a 14-minute video about their trip to Vancouver to see Reliant K and Switchfoot, and they were right up in the front row. Welcome to another, it says, Meg's Vlogs. Where are we going, Sonia? Nowhere special. Just a little trip to Vancouver to see Switchfoot and Reliant K. So Jessica was really excited to see this because she's like, this is so me, except they're Canadian. It is snowy. <laughs> like you we knew? made it so snowy in the background. <laughs> so we're going to the concert. We're drinking Starbucks. I've had three hours of sleep. Well, kind of six because of sleeping at work too, but... <laughs> what did she say? <laughs> Technically oh, six because of sleeping at work. Oh, amazing! Just today. Just today. So we're gonna go to Vancouver. It's gonna be super fun, and I can't wait. We're going to Beard Papa's. 
<laughs> Sonia bought tickets for us too. Do you want to go to Beard Papa's and see Relying K and Switchfoot? Hell yeah. Okay, <laughs> we're in our room. I'm standing at the door, and there's my bed. Literally, like the width of my body is the bed. Cute little room though. We got two beds. Sonia wanted us to share a queen. No, thank you. I don't sleep good. Anyway, we do have a room with a view. Look at it. Ooh. It's a nice Pretty view. Nice, eh? <laughs> Pretty nice, and, uh, eh? <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna hang out for a few minutes and bugs that are meant for concerts. I'm so dumb. I'm wearing my new shirt because I spilled guacamole on my other shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so now they're at the concert. I fast forwarded. And it's a seated venue, it's a fully seated venue. They're excited about the house music. Hell yeah, who wouldn't be? <laughs> savage Garden is neither savage nor a garden. <laughs> so here's where Lion K comes out, and they're right up front. And they're excited. So now should I? I'll, and then. They're gonna play a couple of Reliant K songs. They're gonna play some Deathbed. Are they gonna play I Don't Need a Soul? I don't think so. This just came up. This is just a thing that YouTube threw at me. Maybe they play I Don't Need a Soul in it. And then they play, they've captured some Switchfoot footage and let's hear what they thought of the concert. It's the morning after the concert. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't <laughs> right. No opinion. It was fantastic. I, I paused when they. <laughs> well, at least her friend liked it. Yeah. No, she was she was joking, right? I don't know. I think she was joking. Is that some of that good old Canadian humor? Yeah, <laughs> where you say the opposite of what you actually think. Um. So then let's real quick look at, oh, you know what there's more of? There's way more of. There was a, co how do I say this? Collab or collab? How do you want me to collab. say it? Collab. There was one of those animated AMV collab projects where not only do you find the final animated music video. Oh, it's not an AMV because it's not clips from an anime, but it's an FMV that's, full, that's fully animated. So not only do you find the final animated music video of the warrior cats set to i don't need a soul but you find every individual animators upload like part one part two part three part four wow. like they didn't just send like them all to uh i don't know a google drive or something i've never heard of this warrior cats thing before this podcast so many relying k fans are warrior cat I, yeah. fans and the thing is i was watching these animated images like people drawing i guess scenes from the warrior cat books which are like real life cats, but like they, it, it's like a war, it's like a fantasy warrior action thing, but they're just like real life cats in the wild or whatever, or in a sure. suburb or something. Sure. And like so many of them are like dead and bleeding and fighting. And I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> oh, watch no. a I don't want to read a bunch of cats killing each other. <laughs> so there's that. But where is the next thing I was going to find? So we'll play this cover by a uh, artist that we've heard before. And this is Robin S with her uh, acoustic cover. Oh, 
love yeah. that it's really nice and i can't remember what robin s previous song turned up on this show but i do remember that uh there's a piano dreamers there is a night core we'll go over all of these behind the paywall um i'll end with this one here real quick there's an official well not an official because there actually is an official relying k karaoke cd and i don't mean case for karaoke i mean the goatee hook four track like from the first three albums, karaoke CD. Right. But like an actual karaoke company did I Don't Need a Soul in a compilation from like 2010. Oh, wow. So for like an official karaoke machine, you can get I Don't Need a Soul. It's uploaded to YouTube a couple of times. And here's like the reasonable upload of it. <laughs> it's guitar I feel like it's like I'm a child in the 90s and there's like a Saturday morning like sitcom coming on like <laughs> I just want to hear when it kind of slows down with that sure. that beat. Cool. Yeah. So this is by off. Oh, this is by off the record karaoke, which is so funny because there's a Christian melodic hardcore band from Tooth and Nail Records called Off the Record. But Off the Record is also like one of the most used artist names of all time. So if you go to Off the Record on Spotify, it's hundreds and hundreds of CDs by unrelated people right. and this karaoke company. <laughs> So that's pretty fun, right? It's like, yeah. the, it's kind of like... And it gets all synthy in the end there, so it almost yeah. feels like a video game version. <laughs> it's like a, it's almost like a good dad rock version of, <laughs> especially that twiddly like guitar solo thing. <laughs> but then for some reason, I think someone, I, I guess off the record, the karaoke company officially uploaded their tracks to YouTube music. Meanwhile, somebody else must have taken like the off the record 
karaoke video tracks that you put into the machine and tried to rip them themselves and upload it to the internet without, you know, the karaoke company's official consent. And the karaoke company has not noticed that Vi Tai Dai Trang, that's the YouTube user's name, uploaded this without the karaoke company's consent. But you can tell maybe why the karaoke company doesn't care that someone uploaded the video track without their consent. Here's what it sounds like. It's the most like backwashed yeah. audio track you've ever heard. Like they, I don't how know did how they even compress it that way. I don't know, but it's what did so they do? it's so incredibly cursed. <laughs> it's so incredibly cursed because if you listen, I listened to it with headphones, and it was like if it was designed that way on purpose, they would be the greatest sound designer of all time because it literally sounds like it's coming out of the sky. Oh my like if you wear headphones, it feels like it's coming from a hundred different directions, <laughs> like f- perfect four point whatever sound. Like it's just you're encompassed in this warm, like washed over, not quite the right audio thing. Totally all just destroyed. And that's I don't need a soul. Because <laughs> there's so many other covers, but you'll have to come join us at patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins pod to hear the rest. Now, Dan, do you like this song more, less, or the same as you did before? I like it more. Nice. I like it about the same. Yeah. I did get a little tired of it doing the research. If I had to hear that same <laughs> yeah. sirens thing, like back to back to back, unfortunately, wore out its welcome a little bit. But I think if I just take a little step back from for a couple days, yeah, exactly. come back to it, sure. put into some set lists, or just listen to Forget Not Slow Down, I'm going to love this song even more than I ever did. Right on. Well, we hope you all have a good week. Stay healthy and stay safe out there. Stay indoors. Stay warm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, everybody stay stay safe out there, especially in Texas and uh, Oregon. Yeah. Blackouts all over the place. Stay toasty. <laughs> <laughs>